0: The smell of rotting fish filled his nostrils. It's the kind of smell that you can taste. But to be fair, that was better than the other taste, which was salt water that he was sucking down just a few minutes ago. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, so let's go back to the beginning. This is where it all started. Jonah 1 reads... The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah said, yeah, no. That's my translation. He ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish, went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah, he'd gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How long can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. And the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. You can imagine they perked up at that point because they're in the middle of a mess on the sea and would love to get to dry land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because they already told them that. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up, throw me in the sea. He said, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and this is a great storm that has come upon you. Instead though, the men did the best they could to row back to land, but they could not for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't kill us for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord and a pretty epic drawing, right? All right, thanks, Kenz. Uh, This story is one of the more popular ones in the Bible. Uh, Many people who have never read the Bible could still finish the sentence, Jonah and the great fish man Jonah and the whale it's a a common thing it's in our brain right it's one of those things that rolls off our tongue Uh, I remember when I watched Pinocchio and for some reason they picked up the story right and that scene in the old Pinocchio not the new one but the old one the cartoon one used to freak me out when that scary whale came out of nowhere swallowed him up scared me to death I left the room when I was a kid I've grown up a little bit I just close one eye now but I was scared at that point in my life And this is one of the more popular stories. What I want you to do is uh, turn to just a few people around you. As that story was read or you saw it interpreted, what's something that captured your imagination? Uh, the way this story's told, this is meant to be a satire or something that you read, uh, maybe something that uh, you'd catch on Comedy Central where they're giving an account of the news and everything's not the way it's supposed to be. You hear this story and everybody's doing something different than what you expect them to do in such a way that and even in chapter 1, it's meant to catch your attention to be like, man, something's off in this one. The prophet's the one running. The sailors who are used to and the ones cussing are the ones calling out to God to save him. Uh, he's told to go this direction. He literally goes the other direction. It's like a cartoon, right, where the arrow goes this way straight to Nineveh, and he heads off the exact opposite direction. There's a sea and storm raging, and Jonah, the prophet, who would be the one crying out to God, is the one passed out taking a nap. And they go down and wake him up, and they're like, hey, dude, wake up. And he's like, yeah, big storm, huh? And they're like, what happened? Who are you? Where are you from? And he's like, oh, my God's the God that's over the land and the sea. And then they freak out. And then they worship. And he says, I'd actually still not like to go to Nineveh. So can you throw me in the ocean? And then I plan on dying. And then as he goes in the di- into the ocean, gulping for air, water crashing over him, this gnarly scene, a huge fish, nobody expects, come and swallows him up and he gets to spend three days in Hotel Whale. So uh, with that in mind, uh, just turn to a few people around you. What's something that captured your imagination out of that story? And Owen's gonna come by and hand you a sheet of paper because we're all getting a sheet of paper. If you have a pen, you can draw on it. If not, you can just stare at it. But I have a few pens. But Owen's gonna hook you up with a piece of paper. Turn to a few people, you have a few minutes, What from this captured your imagination tonight? Ready, set, go. See, shape the entirety of this year and honestly, the life of our church uh, are the images that go across the top of your page. Uh, The first one, the crown, the reminder that Jesus is Lord. All discipleship to Jesus starts with that confession, that Jesus is Lord and we bow our knee to him. That Jesus is the one who reigns. He has all authority. It's been given to him. And that's the truth, that's the reality, that's the point of view we want to come into this year with, that he is Lord and we arrange our lives around him. Uh, The second image represents that we are his church. That is a community of people who have been called by God, filled with the spirit of God, sent onto the mission of God in specific times and places throughout history. And that people's not meant to be a static group of people that just hang out together and serve really good coffee and sing really good songs. Uh, But they're meant to be a group of people who are commissioned out to make disciples or to teach other people how they can follow Jesus and how they can teach others to follow Jesus. And so we become those who bow a knee to King Jesus, are welcomed into a community as our new identity, and then are commissioned out as disciples to make disciples wherever we live, work, learn, and play. And so the story that we're going to look at tonight in Jonah is meant to be a tool that God had written down in order that we would be able to do that work. And so as I was reading through it, there's things that sparked in your imagination that will be very different than what sparked in mine. This story has been told for thousands of years, and as it's been told in every single culture it finds it home, there is a something that people take away and say, man, that was for us in our season. Starting with the ancient Israelites who would have heard this first, and echoing out to the day that we stand here in 2023 being shaped by the same story so that we can be faithful to the work that God's given us to do. Uh, These four chapters are really short and they fit together to form one satire. Like I said, they're meant to show and comically arrange, almost like a parable that Jesus told, a way that you look at this and you're like, man, this seems funky. Like, this is a funny story. But some thousands of years later, we don't get the punchlines. And that's just gonna be the way it is and I'm not gonna interpret the whole way through it. But we don't catch the punchlines the whole way through, but I think we catch some of the facts and the truths and the reality of what he's saying. And so for us today, we're gonna look at this as a window, uh, something to look through and recognize some truths about God and the world and humanity. We're gonna look at it as a mirror and see our own reflection in this story. Uh, Then we're gonna look at it and see Jesus. And lastly, we're gonna say, what do we do in light of all that we just heard? And that's the next 20 minutes of your life. Uh, When I was thinking through this, I was trying to process and I recognized uh, this was a central idea for me. That God is absolutely relentless as he pursues his people. Uh, There's two people, two groups of people that God is pursuing in this story. The first Might seem obvious. Go and tell the people of Nineveh, this great city, this evil empire. They had it coined long before Rage Against the Machine ever did. That was the evil empire of the time. They went to them, and that was the people who were oppressing and unjust and murdering plenty and having slavery and abusing people and having unfair economic policies that just pushed millions to the margins. And that was Nineveh. They were known for being wicked. To date, Jonah's message had always been one telling Israel or Judah that you guys are going to be victorious in your uh, military might. And this was the first time God had come to him and said, hey, go give a message to these people that if they don't repent, I'm going to judge them. And at this point in the story, we don't know why he didn't want to do it. Uh, We just know that he didn't, and he took off the other direction. And so we see God is pursuing the Ninevites. He's also pursuing Jonah. And as a byproduct, he also pursues these sailors, which is just an incredible story. You see God relentlessly pursuing his people all through the story. Whether they're a religious person who's run away, an irreligious person who never had anything to do with God in the first place, or just those who happen to be around when he's doing his thing. And it's pretty incredible. Uh, The first way I want us to look at this though is to look at it as a window. And so just take a moment, uh, looking down at the text, if you have it in front of you or maybe rolling back in your brain and think through for just a moment, what did you learn about God in this story? Take a deep breath, reflect back. What What did you see God doing? And then not just God, what did you see uh, human beings doing in the story? God's the hero of every single story in the Bible, but it also tells us so much that's true about ourselves as we reflect as well. Take a moment and just think about it. If you're feeling especially brave uh, we'll take a few minutes and you're welcome to uh, give an answer out loud but I'd be curious from us together as a community what are some of the things the spirit's drawing your attention to in this text that you're like man in this story I see God's character like this Uh, maybe just a few of those and then I'll pass the mic I've got it up here and I can hand it over to you what jumps out at you as you heard the story say God is patient in his pursuit both with the people of Nineveh and their wickedness and then also Jonah and his rebellion that's good what else I was thinking people run away but God runs too that's good thanks anybody else what do you see about God or people in this story Kind of stuck out to me that it didn't spare Jonah from a lot of discomfort, but he also didn't leave him in like his, you know, running away. So, anybody else something come to mind? Yeah, um, in verse nine, it says that, um, he said to them, I'm Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, so that God is one of the sea and the dry land. Yeah, anybody else? Everybody else is pointing at you, and I didn't even notice this move. Oh, you're pointing, okay. Um, I think what's interesting about the people in the story is that the people that are faithful and are trying to, like, seek God and do what he says are the people that had just learned about him, the sailors in the story, and just that God is so much who he is that it's, it, it makes other people pay attention or, like, catches their attention in a way that makes them, I don't know, makes them stop and be like, something is up here. This God is an interesting God. God's more stubborn than Jonah, and I think that's a really good point of the story, too. I love it. I'm using the imagery of a window for this because uh, we all view the world some way. Uh, We all have ideas about God. We all have ideas about who we're supposed to be in his world. We all have ideas about what the role of humans are in whatever it is we call our day-to-day life. And and I want us to be shaped by the word of God when we look at those things. Um, So when we think about the world and we're thinking about the way God engages with the world, it does something if we think that God is passive and doesn't care and is set off on the sidelines saying, y'all figure it out. This is not my circus, not my monkeys. Y'all do whatever you're going to do down there on earth. I'm not getting involved. Or it shifts if we say, no, God is an active character in this story who is never far away from the action as it takes place. Like when you look at the the events in your life, uh, whether it is chaos or calm, to recognize that God is close will be a game changer. Whether it is chaos or it is calm, to know that God is close and he loves you is an even bigger game changer to recognize that God is close and he not only loves you but he loves those that are far from him that you think have no place in his kingdom will change it even further when we look out at our neighbors and our cities and our world and Jonah's telling us this is who this God is He's also highlighting for us as we look through that window that you can be a follower of God, a follower of Yahweh. One who's been commissioned out and still choose not to do what you've been called to do. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, like this is for us. To recognize that God calls us into assignments in this life and then gives us a choice whether or not we're going to be obedient. The pattern is supposed to be when you read a prophetic book that the voice of the Lord comes to the prophet Jacob and Jacob goes and does what God says. That's that's the pattern. That's every single other one, right? That's what they're supposed to do. That's Jonah. If you read the gospel, there's not a Jacob prophet. I used him because he's sitting there in case you're trying to, this dude doesn't know his Bible. Like when you go to a prophet and God speaks and you're a prophet of that God, you're supposed to do what they say. I wonder how comical it would be when we uh, look back and read the great commission of Jesus. that says, go and make disciples. And then that same snapshot was taken on the church in America today. And it's like, and the church of America said, nope, and went the other way. Or I wonder what it says when, when there's the, a passage that says, love your neighbors, pray for your enemies, and do good to those who persecute you. And the church in America says, nope. I wonder what the different stories even of Jesus as he calls and commissions his followers, gives us a word according to his spirit. And as comical as it is, it is absolutely corrupting the witness of Jesus that his children don't just say, yes, Lord, whatever you say. That window to look through. Uh, a few things that I jotted down. I see God's heart is for the nations. It always has been. God's particular people have always been to be a blessing to the nations. That's not new, and it continues today. God's special favor absolutely does not rest on one group of people, but his heart is that all nations come to him. That's where the story's headed. Uh, I see that God isn't limited in his power by the possibilities that I can imagine. This was a good one. The story gets to the end and you get to this place uh, where Jonah's in the water. And if you're hearing this for the first time, if you could even get there in your brain, that this is the first time you've ever heard this, Jonah gets one, two, three, right? And then he's like, ah, in my brain, it freezes right then. And it goes, yep, that's me. Um, And then it's like, probably wondering how I got in this situation, that's not what's in there. But they hurl him overboard. He goes in the water. He got his head above water, right? He's trying to, because he has still that fight instinct. And if you're reading this, you're like, yeah, man, shouldn't go in where God told you to go, bro. But then out of nowhere, out of the depths, this huge sea creature, right? This Fish comes in and just gulps him up. And you realize what's normally the end of the story with God is not the end of the story. His power is not limited by our imaginations and what we think normally happens at this point. Normally you throw a dude in the ocean in the middle of the sea and he drowns. In this story, he gets swallowed by a fish and you're like, wait, What? Again, when it comes to God, his potential and his power is not limited by the possibilities that we can imagine. I see that every time somebody finds a boat, it isn't sent by God. And this is a whole different sermon. But Jonah went, he went to Joppa, and he found a boat heading for Tarshish, and he found a boat and he got on it. Uh, sometimes in our lives we say, "All right, God, I know what you want. Um, I know what's," and then we recognize we're always calling us, and we're like, "Yeah, but maybe give me a sign, God. Maybe if there's a boat in a boatyard, that means that that's where you want me." When He's clearly giving you a different assignment, and how many times do we hear followers of Jesus say, "Well, the Spirit just led me there," and when I got there, that that was there, and it's like, "Yeah, that's counter to His design and His plan." In about 17 verses in the Bible, it's like, but I found a boat because we find a boat doesn't mean that God's the one who sent it and sometimes he lets us go down that road but he's absolutely gracious in pursuing us I see God is merciful even when we're rebellious I see that and going further than we ever expected to go that God will still pursue to heal and restore and redeem or at least in this story to rescue so that's one piece that's a window Again, take a step back, look at your life. What shifts if even just one of those things is true? And how you look at your world this week. I said we're also gonna do a a mirror. And where do you see yourself in this story? First thing was to look at it through a window, a second to look at it as a mirror. And take a moment. And just say, Where where am I in this story? And stories are set up so that you can identify with the characters in it. Uh, Maybe the first one you go to isn't Jonah. Maybe it's these sailors who are going along their way, not knowing they even needed to be introduced to God, are in a situation and are introduced to the true and living God and have a miraculous experience with Him. Uh, Maybe in the scenario in your life right now, that's what you're experiencing this miraculous experience with God that you were not expecting. Uh, Maybe and this is true because we've got a lot of people that are following Jesus, maybe there's things that God's been showing you uh, as you've been in the Gospels reading along with us. Maybe it's as you've been uh, hanging with your missional community and people have been talking about Jesus. Maybe it's in your DNA group. Maybe it's completely unrelated to that and you were going for a walk down the street and you heard God telling you something, inviting you into something, uh, calling you into something. Whether it was to start something new, stop something old, break a pattern, Are we listening? The story of Jonah is meant to be a massive warning to us that when we rebel against God, it will take us further than we ever planned on going. Uh, But then it's also up there with this immediate portrait of the beautiful mercy and grace of God. Both of those in this first chapter are planted there together. I was taking a hike along... um, the levee at Usury Park, which is a nice flat trail. So if you wanna take a really low impact walk and see a lot of stuff and feel like you're doing something, you just go out there to Usury and you can go up to the levee trail. It goes along the top. And I went around the outside loop and I was coming back. And as I did, I saw the snow-capped mountains of the superstitions and four peaks. Did you guys get out that way to see that? you're going around the 202 avoiding traffic you would have seen it like it was gorgeous the snow capped and I was like I was looking at that so it's like you're looking at this picture you're like man God's grace is incredible it's beautiful Uh, and I had one headphone in one headphone not in and then as I'm looking this way I pull out my phone and I snap a picture and I'm like man that is incredible that's going on a slide someday like that's one that's a good one like we'll use that for Instagram that's something and then behind my back I hear like a rattle like a Like a rattle. And if you've heard a rattlesnake, it's not actually like a rattle. It's more like a swarm of bees, right? And so, and and like in my brain, and I like go like this, and about where this laptop is, is a uh, coiled up rattler with its head up, looking like full on like viper mode. Like wrapped up with its head up, just staring at me, rattling. It was like picture perfect. So I took a picture of that too, in case you're wondering. But my wife hates snakes, so it's not going on the screen. Uh, In the same moment... I uh, saw both a beautiful picture, and that was for me in that moment. At the same time, same scenario, according to my back, I turned around, and there was a warning for me. Rattlesnake simply saying, hey, I'm here. Pay attention. I got here first. You relax, Kevin. Don't come over on this side. Uh, The same scenario, the same situation, the same scene can give both a brilliant picture of beauty and so if you're finding yourself you need to be reminded that God is comforting and God is present in the midst of the storm and he is close and he is loving and he's pursuing and you have not run so far that he's outside of your reach then by all means look at that picture of beauty that's there see that in the mirror that's where I am I'm being pursued by the God some other of us might need to hear the warning that to reject the call of God leads to some pretty dark spaces. And some of us are on the the border of saying, do I really want to bow my knee to Jesus or do I want to do what I want to do in this situation? I'm not going to paint all the pictures. I'll let the Spirit do that for us. But if you need to hear that warning, do it today. I mean, I could have kept walking toward Mr. Rattler, but that was a pretty dumb choice. I turned back and went the other way. The same sort of warning is in this text. Please listen. If you find yourself looking in the mirror of the text and you're like, yo, I identify straight up with Jonah, then don't wait till you get thrown overboard. If you're reading the story going, man, why didn't he just pray to God and ask God to relent? Because he was down that dark. We'll get to that a few, a little bit later. And so take a moment and think through that, maybe jot down a thought. You guys have the same um, ability to, to maybe make a note, Is there something coming to mind? And here's what's really important for us to see is good news in this story as well. Uh, Because the story of Jonah is meant to point us forward, to recognize some things true about God, that all through the story he's faithful, that first down arrow representing creation where we see for the first time in Genesis 1 and 2 that God is faithful, pursuing, creating relationships with people, creating space for people to flourish and moving towards them. All that's packed into Genesis 1 and 2. That X, though, represents Genesis 3 through 11, where human beings rebel. And in the first act of rebellion, they take the fruit and say, we want to be like God. We think God's holding back from us. And they listen to the lie of the serpent and eat of that fruit. And immediately, uh, like that X represents, something goes wrong and corruption enters the world. Sin is released and its poison affects the heart of people as well as a million other ripple effects passed down through the ages. But again, God doesn't leave the world without hope, right? That next arrow, Genesis 12 through Malachi 4 in your Bible, represents that God made a promise that one day through the nation of Israel, by Abraham's line, all the world would be blessed. Uh, that he makes a promise that through this one people, all people of the world would be blessed. That's why we're not surprised when God's pursuing the Ninevites, because he said he would pursue all people, and he wanted his people to be a blessing in that. And so that promise was made, in the whole Old Testament, as we read it, we're not going to go through the whole thing. That's where Jonah is smack dab in that part of the story, is God showing his faithfulness even while people are not faithful. Even while humans fail and nations war and corruption still passes down, God is relentless in pursuing his people and healing for his creation. And then we get to the story of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. In your Bible, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four accounts of Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' shocking resurrection that brings new life. In that story, in Jesus, there's a beautiful parallel. One of the stories, uh, there's also a raging, it's a lake, but there's raging water. If you've been in open water on a small boat, lakes can be just as scary. Uh, and so there's this story where Jesus is passed out, right, just like uh, Jonah was. And there's people on the boat, but they're his disciples. They're not far off ones from God. They're supposed to know that Jesus can save them. But they're freaking out, right? Do you remember this story? And Jesus, they go over and they shake Jesus awake, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, we're all going to die. Like, And Jesus instead of uh, being the one. He says, cool, throw me overboard. And then it'll calm down. Uh, speaks to the wind and the waves and says, peace, be still. And what was violent and tumultuous and chaos becomes calm at the sound of his voice. I think that story, if you ever look at that story in the gospels in parallel with Jonah, it sits so beautifully as how Jesus is a true and better Jonah. But even more than that, when he goes to the cross, Uh, at the cross when the chaos of the world seems to be at its most profound moment right the son of god is hanging on these wooden beams Uh, the romans seem to be victorious the disciples have scattered Uh, there is no one left but jesus hanging on that cross right and in that moment we see that satan and sin and death do not get the final say but at the cross In Jesus, God has pursued and rescues us into a fully alive life. He pays the penalty for our sin. He absorbs the Father's wrath. He goes down into the depths to pull us out because we could never rescue ourselves. And three days later, he rises again victorious, saying, if you trust me, if you put the weight of your life in on me, if you have faith that I am the one who overcomes death, that I am the healer, I am the rescuer, I am the restorer. And those who believe in me will never die. You live a fully alive life to God. And that life is possible right now. And that good news and that truth is meant to compel people out. The next arrow of the story is the church and that's told in Acts and the epistles where we recognize that people who have been rescued by Jesus live lives that are really changed by Jesus. Uh, They begin to give of their stuff, they care for the marginalized, the poor, the oppressed and love on those who are very different from them. And they create these small little communities that bear witness that yep, the death and resurrection of Jesus really happened and here's how we live. The spirit of God fills them for that work. And that's the act of the story we find ourselves in today. And so one day, at the end of the story, we believe that Jesus returns again to make all things new. And this is Revelation at the end of the book, 20, 19, 20, 21. This beautiful portrait of heaven and earth coming back together. And that's the story that we believe. That's the hope that we have. That is a hope far greater than a whale that might swallow you up in the sea, but that Jesus swallowed up death and sets us free. And hear this, fam, that is the God that we serve. Uh, That is the one who loves us and pursues us. And so what do we do with this? If you're tracking along, you're like, I got one more bubble, what do I do with it? Uh, This is where I want you to, to process on your own and think through thinking, If this is all true, what does that mean for me? Uh, What is an action or an observation or a meditation that I need to have this week in light of this? Uh, For me, I had three. Uh, The first one was to listen. I mean, that seems pretty obvious coming out of this story. Uh, What is God trying to say to me? And have there been things that I've been ignoring? As I sat with this story this week, a few of them came to mind. God, what are you saying? And what does it look like to obey that? What is it, whether a whisper from the Spirit, a word from a friend, a text of Scripture, what has God been trying to say to you? And have you been listening? Uh, The second piece uh, that came to mind for me was inviting recognizing, uh, and this came from the sailors in the story, uh, that though Jonah had no intention of exposing them to the good news of God who rescues and redeems and saves, uh, that God had in his mind to do that for these people and invite them to be a part of his story as well. And so I had to come to mind two specific friends that I was like, man, God has been pressing on me to invite them into some of the rhythms of our church, our kingdom community, to expose them to the good news in a very specific way. And so it goes with listening. I hadn't been listening or I've been ignoring. Uh, There's an invitation that I know that in two weeks, if you ask me, I should have invited these people into some life with Jesus alongside of us because he brought it up in my mind. It was like, oh, that's real. And then there was a matter of trust. Uh, going through, and it'll, we'll talk about a little bit more about it next week, but there's some very specific things in the life of Missio uh, Mesa that God brought to mind, and he's like, hey, do you trust me? Like, I was able to bring a whale out of nowhere to rescue this Jonah dude. I can absolutely provide for you, especially as you're following me, but do you trust me? Again, an imagery of water came to mind where Peter is on the boat and Jesus is walking towards him on the water. You guys remember that story? Uh, He's walking on him in the water and Peter goes, yo, I'm gonna run to Jesus, right? And he hops out of the boat and he starts walking on the water too. And it's when he stops trusting Jesus and starts looking at the storm that he sinks and Jesus pulls him up. And as that story came to mind, it was a reminder that God's inviting us in fresh ways to continue trusting him. And for me, there were some very specific things with that. So I'm gonna give us just a few minutes and would ask you, in light of what you just heard and what you just read, what would an I will statement look like for you? If this is all true, if this is who God is, if this is the story he's telling, then what does that mean for you? wanna create a little space for you to hear from him. Uh, and then we'll approach the table together. So take just a moment and ask God what he's trying to say to you. If you've been running from God and his rescue, tonight is a great reminder uh, that the path back to Jesus is as simply as turning. And so if your pathway in life has taken you far from God and you're wondering, is there any space for me in his family, in his kingdom, or at his table? The answer is absolutely yes. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus and your wrestling match has been uh, that you don't wanna do what you feel like he's called you into and the assignment that he's given you is one that you're resisting or the pattern of life that he's called you in for flourishing just seems daunting in this moment. Again, tonight is an excellent time to turn back. Or maybe you just need the reminder that God passionately pursues his people and you're not running away, but you need that reminder because that means that he's close to you and pursuing you even in this moment. Or maybe for some of you, the, the wounds of the world seem very great. And as you look across the world landscape, seeing countries and nations at war and poverty and oppression and in slavery, and you're like, man, is there any hope for any of this? Again, in this story, we realize that God is a rescuing God who has a heart for even those who don't yet know him and those who would war against him. And our prayers should be in that place and maybe for some of us, our lives. And again, tonight is a great time to return to what Jesus is calling us to and the reminders of this story.